This is BayCare Health Chat, another podcast from BayCare Health System. Welcome to BayCare Health Chat. I'm Deborah Howell, and I invite you to listen as we talk about diabetes and heart disease. Today, we'll find out how to help prevent cardiovascular disease if you have diabetes. I'm joined today by Dr. Rajiv K. Sharma, board-certified cardiologist who practices invasive, non-interventional cardiology, also has board certification in echocardiography, nuclear medicine, cardiovascular CT, and internal medicine with Baycare Medical Group. Dr. Sharma, it's a true pleasure to have you on with us today. Well, thank you, Deborah. It's a pleasure to be here. All righty. Let's start at the beginning. What is diabetes? So diabetes is a disorder that disrupts the way the body uses sugar. Essentially, in the body, all the cells need sugar to work. And usually, they use a hormone called insulin, which pushes the sugar into cells. Now, in diabetes, there are two problems. One, where there's not enough insulin to push the sugar into cells. And two, where the body becomes resistant to insulin. And essentially, the same effect happens, which is sugar stays in the bloodstream. When sugar stays in the bloodstream, you can have several deleterious effects, including damage to the blood vessels, damage to the eyes, damage to the brain, damage to the heart and the kidneys. And this essentially is the main premise of the pathophysiology for diabetes. Okay, and why is it important with regard to heart disease? Yeah, so it's been well documented in the literature that having high sugars can cause changes in the vascular system. Essentially, what we have shown in the data is that people with diabetes often have a two to threefold risk as compared to their peers in terms of developing cardiovascular disease. And when I say cardiovascular disease, I mean heart attack, stroke, heart failure, and kidney problems, essentially. So this is the important premise because these conditions often result in quite a bit of morbidity and long-term treatment. Sure. Well, to that end, can you tell us about some treatment targets and goals for your patients? Absolutely, yeah. So for diabetes, the main treatment goal is actually trying to keep your blood sugar level in the normal range. And in essence, by doing so, you will prevent all the consequences of having uncontrolled sugars, which again, leads to cardiovascular disease, as I had mentioned prior. There's an interesting mnemonic out there that I actually just found, and it's called controlling your A, Bs, and Cs. So A stands for hemoglobin A1C, and that is a blood test, which essentially gives us a barometer or an average of what a patient's sugar is over the previous three months. So this lets us know whether the sugars are too high over a prolonged period of time. So that's the first thing to control. The second thing would be the B for blood pressure. It's well known that patients with diabetes often have coexistent blood pressure issues, and blood pressure issues lead to the same endpoints as uncontrolled diabetes. So keeping your blood pressure controlled is also one of the main targets for treatment of patients with diabetes. And the third thing would be C, and that stands for cholesterol. So it's not just about the sugar in the blood, but it's certainly about these other facets that coexist with it. But the main thing there is just controlling a facet of cholesterol known as the LDL. An easy way to remember that is L for lousy cholesterol. And we have a goal there of trying to keep that number less than 100. So these are the three main targets for patients with diabetes in terms of trying to mitigate the overall risk of developing cardiovascular disease. And again, when I say cardiovascular disease, I mean heart attack, stroke, and heart failure predominantly. Got it. Now, what can individuals do to stay healthy and prevent cardiovascular disease if they have diabetes? 
Absolutely. And this is also a multifaceted answer. I think the most common thing ends up being medications. Naturally, and fortunately, between diabetes and cardiovascular disease, we have a lot of robust data. And as a result of that, a lot of medications that are very effective in controlling blood sugar. So generally, patients with diabetes will end up being on a medication to control their blood sugar on a daily basis. And it will entail checking your blood sugars multiple times a day just to make sure you're attaining those goals. That would be the first step. The second step would be lifestyle changes. And this predominantly focuses on things such as diet. There's ideology with regards to a term we call glycemic index. So glycemic index essentially classifies foods based on their effect on blood sugar. So foods essentially that have a high glycemic index tend to cause big spikes in the blood sugar. And these naturally are not helpful in terms of controlling diabetes. So things like that, lifestyle changes in terms of having a diet rich in uh, fruits and veggies, whole grains, trying to avoid the non-wheat grains, bread, spaghetti, pasta, cereals, crackers, bagels, all that kind of stuff. That would be uh, one change in addition to medications. The third thing would be, uh, you know, more lifestyle aspects. And this would be exercise. Uh, Generally in our guidelines, we recommend patients Uh, do about 30 minutes a day, five times a week, no smoking, focusing on weight loss and achieving an ideal body weight, and then uh, watching out for excessive alcohol. If you do all of these things, generally, you're generally hitting all of those ABCs we talked about in terms of A1C, blood pressure, and cholesterol. When you institute all these lifestyle changes, most people end up hitting those targets fairly effectively. Sure. And what is the normal range for anyone who doesn't know? Yeah. So for A1C, the guidelines emphasize that it has to be individualized. But generally, if you look at the American College of Cardiology, the A1C target is less than seven. And again, A1C is just a barometer for the average of a patient's blood sugars over the previous three months. So it gives us an average of how well an individual is doing in controlling their sugars. As far as uh, blood pressure, generally the goal is less than 140 over 90. The top number being 140, that's the systolic number, and the bottom number being 90, the diastolic number. In some cases, we tend to be more aggressive and shoot for less than 130 over 80, but those are the main targets there. And with regards to the LDL or the lousy cholesterol, the main target is less than 100. Now, medications can also play a big part in the whole equation as well. Can you discuss some of the different options? Absolutely. And near and dear to cardiology are some new medications that have sort of come through the pipeline. And the interesting thing about these medications is not only do they help with blood sugar control, but they've also been shown to have individual effects in terms of minimizing cardiovascular disease. So that mainly means prevention of major adverse cardiovascular events such as death, stroke, heart attack, and heart failure. These new medications are the GLP-1 agonists. There's a lot of new data out there that shows that in patients with diabetes who have cardiovascular disease, these medications can move the needle significantly in terms of preventing further events. The other new medications out there are the SGLT2 inhibitors, and these are also very near and dear to cardiology. They have permeated our guidelines, and they have been shown to be extremely effective in patients with diabetes and heart failure in terms of reducing heart failure exacerbations as well as major adverse cardiovascular events. Aside from those very two new medications, metformin is the tried and true medication that is often the workhorse of diabetes management, and it has been shown to have cardiovascular as well as kidney protective effects. So those would be the main classes that actually have a direct line into cardiovascular benefit in terms of diabetes medications. All right, true or false, eating sugar leads to diabetes. I would say that is false. I think there are definitely gradations of that. An individual can have sugar 
and definitely not have diabetes, but anything in excess could certainly result in that. And it really comes down to the type of diabetes an individual has. So if you're a type 1 diabetic, essentially that means your pancreas, which is an organ inside the abdomen, doesn't make insulin. So if you don't make any insulin, then certainly you have to be very careful about having high sugar meals. If you're a type 2 diabetic, then that essentially means that you've become resistant to insulin and that usually is a result of body weight, obesity, and things like that. So even in these individuals, it's not that you have to be completely abstinent from sugar, but you just have to control the missing piece there. So in type 1 diabetics, it generally means you can have sugar, but you have to have insulin to balance it out. And in type 2 diabetics, again, you can have sugar, but at the same time, you have to hit the other targets such as weight loss and making sure that your insulin is uh, sensitive. And that comes all with medications and lifestyle changes. Perfect. Well, Dr. Sharma, this has been so enlightening. Thank you so much for all the good information you've given us today. A great gift. Well, thank you so much for having me, Deborah. Appreciate you. And to learn more about diabetes, heart disease, and all the services at BayCare, please visit our website at baycareheart.org. And that wraps up this episode of BayCare Health Chat. Always remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other BayCare podcasts so we can share the wealth of information from our experts together. This is Deborah Howell. Have yourself a terrific day. Music